0: This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM In partnership with Mishkondorea It's business, but it's personal Listening colour
1: Welcome to Jazz Shapers, it's me Elliot Moss here on Jazz FM It's where the shapers of business join the shapers of jazz, soul and blues My guest today is Ruby Rout, CEO and co-founder of Wooker the UK's first eco-friendly period underwear brand. Having grown up in Nepal, where shame about periods is widespread, Ruby says her passion for change stems from experiencing the Chowpadi tradition, in which women are banished during menstruation. For my very first period, I was sent to my aunt's house for seven days, she said. I was put in a room. I wasn't allowed to see men or go out and play. I was given a bowl. I was kind of treated like a prisoner. During her environmental science degree, Ruby learned that more than 200,000 tons of tampons and pads were sent to landfill every year, contributing to the mounting disaster of plastic pollution. Ruby felt a drive to create a new menstrual product that could reduce single-use plastic, help to resolve comfort and health risk problems, and build positivity around menstruation. With her co-founder and husband Dave, and with a £7,000 Kickstarter campaign behind them, they launched WUKA, which stands for Wake Up Kick House, in 2018. Using compostable packaging, fabrics from renewable wood materials, and only working with ethical manufacturers, they've already prevented 4 million disposable sanitary products from going to landfill or into the ocean. Fantastic you've joined us. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Wooker. Tell me about Wooker. I mean, we heard, obviously, I, I talked a little bit about the inspiration and your own personal experience, but just help me understand from your own perspective what this business is about and what it means to you.
2: So WUCA stands for Wake Up Kick-Ass. And the idea was like not to make women or people who have periods feel ashamed about generally periods. And one of the questions that I get often asked is, how come you thought about doing period underwear kind of thing? And I think it's more about talking about periods rather than period underwear. So because I'm not native to UK, I don't have many friends or families around here. So for me to talk anything open about periods means nobody knows about it, you know, like I'm, I'm free to say it. Had this been in Nepal, I might be quite embarrassed and ashamed because I've got many people that know me. So in a way, that actually created this platform for me to speak out loud and proud about periods. When
1: did you move here?
2: 2010.
1: 2010, so ten actually ago. Ten, 10 years ago. And yes. So you're 31 now, I hope you don't mind me saying. That's fine. I, I know you think that's old, but um, <laughs> for anyone over the age of 31 might be hurtling towards 50. Um, that sounds pretty young to me. <laughs> so you came at age 21.
2: 21, yes. And at
1: that point, why did you come here? What was the, the reason?
2: I think it was escaping from a very abusive relationship. I, it did come all the way here as well, but finally because I don't have a social pressure from friends and families to stay in that relationship. And that is one of the biggest problem in any Asian community is, like, everybody's saying, like, oh, what's what's the neighbours going to think about it? What is this going to think about it? And you are constantly in that pressure and trying to rework your relationship. But coming to UK gave me, an, like, an opportunity to, to get rid of it because nobody's there to nag me all the time. And that's exactly what happened as well. And um, the other reason was, like, I think it's, it's the country of opportunity, right? So you come here, try to make a living, make something out of you. And that's, that's the two best reason I can give you and two best thing that has come out.
1: But you moved from, um, as I understand it, the world of, I think you're involved in a non-profit organization, Campaign for Children's Rights, Equality for Girls. I think you you ran Food Waste Ninjas, a multi-week project educating staff and students on reducing food waste. This was very much the not-for-profit sector. Yes. Why the leap from not-for-profit to profit? And and this is, I think the business was established between 2017, 2018.
2: Yes, yes. So I think it all kicked because I did I couldn't go to the conventional university because of the funding and stuff. So I did open university. Uh, it was an online course. Uh, I was doing part-time work at after-school clubs, this kind of thing. Actually, that money was enough to pay for my study. So by the time I did my graduation, I didn't have a single penny as a credit over my head. So I could get into work. I think the inspiration for like social sector is more of my mother's I think so influence that comes on me. She's been always amazing helper in any circumstance to any people that she meets in the street. So um, but uh, while doing environmental science, I put two years such a hard work, it's very hard open university, There's so much determination, you have to be on top of everything. And at the end, that I what I felt was like, If I put so much time and effort in studying environmental science, I want to do something related to that. And for a whole year, basically, I just was going around, doing my 50 coffees, meeting people and asking them to introduce me to other people so that I get to know the industry that they are working in. Um, And while doing that, I thought that, okay, I'll give some of my time as a volunteering kind of thing. So I volunteered in Plan International, Women's Environmental Network, all social sector, but um, one of the things that was quite resounding was, like, everywhere I go, I was working with, like, women's problem, women's health problem, or women's issue kind of thing. So it was a Women's Environmental Networks project that was done 20 years ago. 20 years ago, they talked about the chemicals in period product, but nobody had revisited it again. And then I was telling them my story of growing up in Nepal and Chopri um, and how I feel I'm still scarred about it then they said, like, oh, we have done this project before. Uh, would you like to run it again? So I thought, okay, I might run a pilot project in a school and talk to children whether they know about reusable menstrual product because that's what I grew up using it. My mom gave me sari rags and said, like, this is your period product for the rest 10 years kind of thing. So when I went to the school in St Albans and uh, only I think one or two people knew about reusable. Not many knew about anything And everybody were like slightly disgusted to see the reusable product, you know, and everybody was more comfortable using tampons and pads. But they didn't know the sheer problem with tampons and pads because they have plastics in them and they end up in landfill. If you look at the life cycle of a pad, it's a month from the shelves to using it and throwing it kind of thing.
1: So you're there in 2017, 18, you're talking to young girls about... Reusable. Reusable. At what point did you go, hold on a minute, I need to do something here?
2: It was a, you would be surprised. It was actually that day. I thought, like, hang on a second. Like, one of the biggest problems with cloth pads are they move and shift quite a bit. And one of the problems that I had growing up was you can't do sports because, A, I think I never wore a f- fitted underwear because there used to be, used to get only like one size underwear. And whenever you are doing sports, the pads literally fall down. There was nothing attached to it. So while I was talking to the girls and I was like, I could actually stitch this pad in the underwear and make it one as, a, as an underwear. So literally, on my way back home, I went to a secondhand sewing machine and I bought a sewing machine which I never ever had used. Went to YouTube, started learned how to thread, and I just took my husband's old t-shirt and made my first underwear. It's, it's just like bonkers. I was just so, you know, geared up, yeah, ready to do something. It was like quite quite a while since I didn't have a job, but then. I did Food Waste Ninja and that gave me actually a hope that if I have such a brilliant idea and if I pitch to somebody, I will get some funding. And so that's this what
1: is, happens. And is that what, so, so from that day yeah. to the day when you actually launched the website and you had product, how long was that period? Nine months. Which is pretty fast. Yes. And in terms of then product design and materials and all the health stuff you have to do, that's a process, isn't it?
2: It is. It is. And I think that was the maximum time we spent on we know that the period underwear works what I did was like I went to the M&S got the old like granny pants kind of thing cut it in put a pad sew it myself and then I had like five pair of them which I made it personally myself and I wore it for next three four months just to try it so whether it works or not and um once we know that, okay, the underwear works, it's comfortable, you can wear it, wash it, dry it kind of thing, the the next tackle was the absorbent fabric because we had to find something that's super absorbent, doesn't leak, and also the leak with layer. So the leak with layer is quite easy because you get in reusable nappies. This is the same fabric that's used but slightly lower GSM, like the thinner one. But the absorbent fabric... After doing, I think it took three months of research trying to find the best absorbent fabric that is washable, machine washable. Because one of the many questions that we used to get from people was like, uh, I don't want to wash it with my hand. I don't want to see blood kind of thing, icky kind of feeling. So we thought that, okay, if we make an underwear, it has to be machine washable because that helps people transit into using reusable underwear more easily
1: and and just so i'm clear on the money that you then had you had the kickstarter campaign is this then going on at this time to then fund some of the research
2: or was that later
1: down the line so this is all this is all off your own back yes okay
2: all the research everything we did all all by ourselves i used to run a vegan pop-up kitchen at that time so every friday or something i used to Ask people in social media if they wanted to come and eat food, and I used to hire this kitchen, and then they, <laughs> and then that's how I make a little bit of money so that I could fund my. <laughs> so I was like quite a hustler, you know. I, yeah. I wanted I I put my hands and legs into everything. everything. Yes. Well,
1: listen, I mean, and, and, and by the way, um, I think you won Best New Business at the Best Business Women's Award in 2019. You've won a few other awards as well over the time. I think uh, Nat West have recognized you as well as entrepreneur. I mean, it's not surprising. So the, the message is you've got to hustle. Stay with me for much more from uh, Ruby Rout, my business shaper, founder of Wooker. That's Wake Up Kick-Ass. And um, you're going to be hearing a lot more from her shortly. Right now, we're going to hear a taster from the Michigan Academy Digital Sessions. They can be found on all of the major podcasts Platforms. Mishcon Purpose is a new sustainability business advising clients on environmental, social, and governance or ESG issues. Very topical right now, of course. Alexander Rhodes, head of Mishcon Purpose, explores how businesses are responding to COVID 19 and the importance that social value will play in success in the post COVID 19 crisis world. And you may just recognize the man who's asking the questions.
0: The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today.
3: Mishcon Purpose is a new sustainability business within Mishcon We advise clients on environmental, social and governance issues in their businesses. And we do that in a way to help them identify and then navigate the opportunities and risks presented by a rapidly changing world and the transformation towards sustainability. Clients have increasingly been asking for advice on the ESG agenda, and it's a complex and developing space. And clients recognize that it will affect every part of their business and fundamentally will change how they go about their business. But between, on the one hand, the public and political noise, and on the other end, the sort of hard edge of creeping regulation the landscape is quite confusing, and the issues are daunting, even for large, well-established companies.
1: Help me understand this. uh, Mishkondore is a law firm, and there have been many consultancies over the last at least 30 years, probably slightly longer, but since I've been in business, give or take. Why is a law firm setting up this? Help me understand that bit.
3: Risk is fundamentally about legal issues, and I think we as a firm recognise that ESG issues, sustainability issues, sit squarely in our boardroom. These aren't issues that sit in the back of a CSR function somewhere within the business, but they sit absolutely at the heart of decision-making for our own business as a firm. And we've seen increasingly in conversations with our clients that these issues and taking consideration of them, whether it's a business's engagement with its environment and, and I think in, in the current pandemic, particularly the way that businesses approach their social function, looking after their staff, engaging with society as a whole, and the role that they play there is a fundamental function of who they are. I think that increasingly value in businesses will be seen to be determined by the
0: approach that they take to these factors. The Mishkan Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishcondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
1: You can enjoy all our former Jazz Shapers and hear this very program again with Ruby by popping Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of your choice. Or if you have a smart speaker, and I do have one, it's very useful too, you can ask it to play Jazz Shapers, and there you'll find many of our recent shows. But back to today's guest, it's Ruby Rout, CEO and co-founder. In fact, I've said founder before, but of course, uh, Dave Slocum, your husband, is also your, your co-founder too. Yes. Um, she's CEO and co-founder of Worker, the UK's first eco-friendly period underwear brand. So I've got this vision, Ruby, that if you want to make something happen it's going to happen yeah. you know 10 years ago you want to move because you need space and yeah. you do here we are now in 2020 your business has been going a few years uh if you go onto the website you'll see it looks fabulous there's an aesthetic feel to it you've got a variety of models in there which i really Thank like you. you know interesting looking normal yes. women you haven't got this vision of this view of beauty and as a, as a father with two daughters uh, and two sons, um, but it's very important to me that, that there is a realistic view yes. of, of of women, obviously. But this hustling, this sense of making your own buck, help me understand where that came from, that, that, that self-realization that you had to make your own way. How young were you when you realized it's about whether I do this or not for me?
2: I think I've been quite a hustler since very young. Um, My first ever job was when I was 11-year-old and our house was under construction and one of the workers didn't show up. So I said, Mom, can I do the same thing that they're doing? That was carrying the sand in your head kind of thing. And she actually uh, honoured that and then paid me exactly what she would have paid the person kind of thing. And I worked eight hours. So it's, I think, the drive and the determination that is something I have had since very young. Hmm. I'm very competitive, which I I love it because she's
1: smiling a lot now. <laughs> I got to see. It. She's saying it, and she's like, "I'm very competitive. I will kill anybody I need to. This is I
2: am powerful." It's yeah, and. Not every day you get that sense of, of being strong and powerful and competitive. There are other side to me as well. There are days where I just want, like, oh, just nothing is working. You're human. That is completely exactly. normal. We all
1: feel the same. Yeah.
2: And this is something that I sometimes tell in my story in Instagram. It's like, I'm normal. It's a small business. Just... Take a little bit of ease, or mm. give us some room to work around your orders, or anything kind of thing. It's sometimes so. the only
1: thing people need to hear, isn't it? That uh, look, we're going to make mistakes here. Yeah, I'm going to do my best, but please, we're not perfect. We're just we're, exactly. we're just trying to do something. Exactly. But in this country and in the West, especially in the last few years, we've had a, a sort of a, a diversity awakening, if you like. There's there's a generation now where We've been pushing very hard for women's rights, and it may be for black rights, and it may be for a whole bunch of different groups of people that have historically, until very recently, indeed, right now, have not been treated equally. As a woman from Asia, from from where you are from, from Nepal or from India, that's been real and much more um, extreme
2: it, it is tough, and that is I think another thing that I was determined to make something when I first came here I didn't even speak English properly, so uh, for me, this ten years has been like how can I mold myself into the culture that I live in and thrive in it and that was my main goal, like how can I be better all the time and this is another thing like how can i how can I do things better? How can I learn things better? and this is every day you'll have to just push yourself. Mm. and and just do it. Have you felt, though,
1: because of of your gender here in the UK that you've had a disadvantage?
2: Absolutely, absolutely, because, as I said, I graduated, and for a year I interviewed so many places, and I didn't get a job anywhere. So then I realised, you know what, if nobody gives me the job, I'll make the job for myself, and that's the Food Waste Ninja, and I pitched it to Sainsbury's, got £35,000 to run this project, and then I hired another two women to work with me. And during that time, the whole WUCA was coming up as well. And again, it just gave me that boost, like, you know, believe in yourself. Many times you just have to start and go and do it. You don't need so much money for research. As, as I said, like, right, everything that I did the research was back of my own money. And with 7,000 pounds, I mean, it's bonker. Now, when I have when started business and now fully running kind of thing, 7,000 is nothing. But at that time, it was like the world to me. And my first order was 2,500 underwear. And today I've got nearly 40,000 underwear coming. So that's, it's huge, but just keep on going. Don't get put up by because you need more money kind of thing. There are many things that you can do in a small bite chunks.
1: The team you've assembled around you, how many people work in Wukka?
2: At the moment, we are four. Okay. And I- that had just started two weeks ago. Before then, we were two. <laughs>
1: so you've doubled yes exactly this is this is big stuff and your husband is now
2: working with with me full-time in the business yes
1: obviously we've we've been in lockdown so have you been sitting separately or are you now all together when you can be how does it work
2: because he's only started last week well, this well week. you
1: obviously lived together I'm yes assuming,
2: we lived yes. together that's a,
1: yeah. a good relationship <laughs> well done husband and wife post lockdown still living together yeah, yeah. not to be sniffed at I hear <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: yeah I mean our every conversation every meal that we eat everything that we do it's all about pants and what's happening next kind of thing it's it's a very normal conversation to have um it's been okay actually um I think um, two weeks ago, he finished his job. And it was quite intense for him to at least hand over everything and do that. But we managed to get two weeks break. Well, one week break, we went to Scotland. But I think that period was very hard for us. Mm. We couldn't switch off. Well, I couldn't switch off.
1: I think everyone's found that, haven't they? Yeah. Switching off is a, is the hardest thing yeah. to do when there's so much ambiguity, yeah, uncertainty. Absolutely. And, and your team, though, where are they? Uh, is it an all-women's team apart from David? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and is that intentional, or is it just happened?
2: No, it just happened. We do have a designer who is who is on a like a freelance basis, and he's a guy. And it's quite interesting because we get different perspective, like what I can see the other people might not see it kind of thing or what they can see. It's nice to see that collaborative kind of work coming together. Um no, we we hire people based on their skills more than anything else. And obviously it gives some priority to women because women tend to think that they have to be perfect on so many levels, but you don't. Many times I just learn things on the job. And if anybody's coming who has got Based general ideas, I'll say like, just join in, you know, like you learn so many things just on the on the job.
1: And sales are growing? Yes. Significantly, I imagine. S-
2: significantly. Lockdown means I think many people are giving it a go because they're at home. It's easy for them to try new things, reusables. They don't have to go to shop. So yes. We also managed to make it to quite a few supermarkets now. So you can buy us in Sainsbury's, Planet Organic, Whole Foods, Ocado. Soon another health and beauty shop coming soon. <laughs> and have
1: you enjoyed reaching out and, and then having to connect and sell, sell your product in? Do you find that very easy? Is that, is that a joyful part of the business yes. for you? Joyful I,
2: I love world. talking to people and I think that is my strongest area. It's like, I think I show more empathy talking to like business and I'm telling them with all that enthusiasm and energy, like why our product is good. How can they reach out more customer through our product? And I think that is something that they don't see. They have got like very narrow focus. It's only for women kind of thing. But once you put it on the shelf, most of the women buy it for the children because they want that comfort. They want that stress free kind of situ- for their children more than themselves. And as a parent, you always tend to do better for your children than for yourself.
1: And it strikes it's- me also, absolutely, that you're, it's a values-driven Purchase because on two levels, one environmentally it's obviously great, but the other one is the destigmatization, if yes. you like, of when you're of a young girl or anyone having a woman having a period. There's also another thing about your brand which I like is the campaigning aspect. There's a petition that you're um, you're, you're got ten thousand people Too behind it yet. now, basically saying that your product shouldn't be taxed. Shouldn't have VAT put onto it in the same way that other period um, yeah. products are, are not taxed in that way.
2: So the government announced that they will be taking out any VAT from January 2021 on pads and tampons. Obviously, they create huge amount of pollution. They're made of plastic. takes longer time to degrade. Uh, but they are taxing us at 20% luxury. So this automatically, as a business, doesn't affect us. But as a consumer, customers are paying 20% more to our product than Disposable. I think the government should be incentivizing sustainable business, reusable business more, and taking that VAT down. And that's a no brainer kind of thing. Like, how can a sustainable business be taxed more than disposable? You know, you are, as a country, you are trying to reach the sustainable goals and try to be as um, environmental friendly as possible. But then taxing every person who buys a period underwear at 20% is not the way to go. Sounds
1: like a no brainer. If you're a minister listening and you've got responsibility, do the right thing. Yes, exactly. Stay with me for a final (laughs) chat with Ruby Round. Don't go anywhere.
0: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
1: I've got Ruby Rout with me just for a few more minutes um, here on Jazz Shapers. She's the co-founder and CEO of Wooker, And we've been talking all about all sorts of related environmental and women's issues, I guess, and, and what you're trying to do with the business. As I mentioned at the beginning, we talked about it, you made that move from the social impact world to the commercial world, because it sound, I think you felt that that would make the biggest impact. Do you think that's right? Are you pleased that you have gone this route?
2: Actually, with Wuka, we do social impact as well. Of
1: course, you do. I mean, yes. that's within—it's so fundamental to the DNA Absolutely. of the business. But, Absolutely, But to go into the for-profit world, was that right for you as a person?
2: Yes, I think for me it was like a, almost like a challenge. Can I can I make it to the um, business world and what is mean to have a, a sustainable, ethical business that does good to not just one sector. It's it's good for health it's good for environment it's good for people you know it's it's a very whole whole business like it it tackles so many issues and i think that was the the most important thing was like if i did anything any business i wanted it to be helping people as well as yeah making money is a part of a business so yeah. uh,
1: but solving problems to me sounds like something you're really good at too it do you think that's because you're not from here as you said in other words you're kind of the outsider and the outsider can go, but why is it like that? Surely it doesn't have to be. Is that, has that been part of your approach?
2: Yeah. So it's like whenever you go to a different country and then you see like so many things that have got problem and why why haven't they done that thing? So for me, when I started the WUCA, and, and as I said, like, why, why, why now kind of thing people ask me? And it's like, because I see it from a different perspective to people here in in the UK, they still hush hush, hiding your tampons of the sleep kind of culture in Western culture because periods are often seen as dirty. And that has been quite resonating, even in my country as well. But at least in here, I can openly talk about it without being embarrassed or ashamed about it.
1: Do do they talk about you back in Nepal, though? Does the family sort of say, (laughs) I'm so proud of my Ruby? Or do they go, oh, don't talk about Ruby?
2: I I mean, I'm I'm called the underwear girl now in my hometown, (laughs) which is quite nice. Uh, But they recently did a, a huge feature... On me in the as a cover girl and the entire magazine kind of thing. And I think when that published, my dad actually called me and then he started crying. <laughs> he, he thought that he he's very proud of me. And I think now he goes around saying like one in million daughter kind of thing. Amazing. Because I grew up in a household where we were all daughters, so socially they were always quite pressured by it, like why don't you have a son kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she now he's very proud and <laughs> goes around saying that.
1: Well, that's, fun- that's fantastic. But in terms of, do you ever talk with your parents or with anyone else about the, I'm going to say it wrong, the Chow, Padi tradition? Because obviously, does that still go on in yeah. Nepal?
2: Yes, it does. And yes, in and my do you say, family... But do you
1: say, how did that, how could you think that was okay? Do you say that or is that too hard to say?
2: Is I that- think more, I, I will, these days what I say is like, if you see anybody like segregating themselves, just go and talk to them and say like, this is not Okay. And and your daughter should be respected. And she's ex- exactly the same as the son, uh, that periods are absolutely normal. And in fact, my, my niece, when she had a first period, rather than doing all sorts of this uh, choppy thing, I actually went there to celebrate and we had a party. A period party kind of thing. Uh, and, and that was, that was quite well received by friends, families who came to the thing. And now it has become almost like a tradition that every daughter, when they come to the age of 11, 12 years old, they throw like a party. Welcome to being woman kind of thing. So, um, I think it's changing the negative perspective to the positive. How can yeah. we make the whole experience more embracing for both? parents as well as children
1: and obviously that's the most important thing about all of the things you're doing but I I must ask you about the money yes does it obviously you want to make money to be able to affect change yes do you also want to make money just because that's a nice thing to do or are you not so bothered is that just a pleasant outcome if it happens to be that Wooker goes global
2: no money is a driving thing it's like I always have this target uh, every day like I have to reach this target of then I can make for me it's like how can I make Wooka more affordable? So the more people buy it, the more order I place, and then the less price it comes, and then less price I can start with. So I started at $29.99, the underwear. Within a year, we reduced it to 24 now. And with the VAT, if the VAT goes, we have promised to all of our customer that we will uh, reflect the price, the reduced VAT rate in our underwear. So they get another £4 cheaper, you know? So, so for me, it's like... How can my product reach out to every girl in the world and they have the most comfortable period and and they don't have to think or worry about anything else? Plus, it does benefit for the environment. So I think that is the main goal.
1: There's a big tick going right up from bottom left to top right <laughs> right now. It all sounds amazing. Listen, I, I've loved chatting to you.
2: Thank it's you so much.
1: It's a real um, privilege to meet you, actually. It's been and, lovely, um, you're, yeah, you're, telling
2: you're, the whole story. <laughs> told, no, it's great. And,
1: and your dad is right to be proud, and I'm yes. really pleased that, that he... he is obviously that. Um, and not surprised either. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it?
2: Well, I've chosen Buenas Vista Social Club, Chan Chan. This is like a very relaxed holiday kind of mood song. But also whenever I'm working at home, like I have this background music and it's quite nice. And then sometimes I put the lyrics on and then sing with it, despite I don't know any Spanish, but <laughs> try my best. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a very nice song. Definitely must have.
1: That was the song choice of my business shaper, Ruby Rout. She talked about changing the negative to the positive, underpinning everything she does is all about changing the dialogue and the conversation around periods. She's values-driven, the importance not just of resolving the period issue with women, but also the environmental impacts and being positive. And finally, and simply put, as she said, you've just got to hustle. This is all about finding enough money, doing things in small bites, and making it happen, and solving problems. Great stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend.
0: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.